Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth, plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. Welcome, everybody, to another Talk Data to Me series. Uh, we've got an amazing guest with us today. Uh, Amanda and I have known each other for quite some time, and she's a top you know, marketing automation, MarTech consultant at Etmus. Um, we are privileged to have you on the show today. So uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. So this year, what was that the fifth time that you have been a Marketo champion? Yeah, that's right. Uh, hit that big five-year mark, five-timer uh, now. So very exciting. Yeah, there was like this myth that you could only be a three-time champion. And I'm like, what? I, how does that happen? I, I, I see people are doing it more. So I think that's just a cop-out. <laughs> No, I think I think they have something in place, but they kind of grandfathered that in for the the older nice. ones. So yeah. <laughs> so like how many how many pairs of purple shoes do you have? <laughs> I actually have three pairs and I actually have one pair of red and white from Adobe. So uh, lots of shoes. <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah, they take care of their their advocates. Um, so yeah, no, we, we want to kind of learn more about you first before we dump, dive into, you know, MarTech and, and Marketo and kind of understand, you know, you're a data hero. What was your path to becoming a data hero? Yeah. So, um, I actually started my career in sales, um, and that kind of turned into sales operations, uh, managing the Salesforce instance. Um, for a startup. And as startups do, you move really quickly. And I soon picked up Marketo. And um, that's kind of like how I got into uh, most of the data hero-ness, I guess, uh, using and leveraging data um, inside of Marketo. Of course, that happened in Salesforce as well. Um, but uh, carried over into the Marketo world. Um, and you know that's how I kind of just got started into, you know, we need to collect all this information in order to do good within our systems. Well, it's always encouraging. You know, I, I've done a few of these interviews and um, sales is a background that's coming up more often than not. And, and uh, it's always great to know that the people in marketing have a have that background in sales because it gives you both perspectives. Um, I'm wondering though, like, if you weren't in this position you're in today, if you weren't doing marketing ops, sales ops, rev ops, what would you be doing? Oh man, I probably would be, if I wasn't in marketing ops, I'd probably be in sales ops. <laughs> if I wasn't in either, um, you know, I find social media pretty fascinating. Maybe I would go into like social marketing or something, uh, social media marketing. 
Um, and paid media is also pretty fascinating too. Um, I guess completely outside of, outside of, uh, marketing. I don't know if I could have like a travel blog or something, you know, post COVID that's probably what I would do. Yeah. I'm interested in like this advocate world as well. You know, I, I've gotten older now. People, you know, probably don't know my age, but I always thought I was like hip and cool and I wanted to travel the world and work from wherever. And, um, yeah, I mean, now it's, I think it's really possible. Like there's just advocate programs and Instagrams and like everybody can create their own media channels. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. it's definitely the infrastructure to do it. So (laughs) It's great. So, you know, getting back to this amazing career that you have chosen, I think that it's it's growing. I, I always say that our ops leaders of today are our business leaders of tomorrow because we're getting access to so much of how an, a company is actually facilitated and can see where slight adjustments can create a lot of value. But, um, you know, I'm just wondering, Marketo, right? Uh, you're you've dedicated a lot of personal branding to this, you know, company and it's an amazing ecosystem, but we want to hear from you. Like, why did you decide to brand yourself around Marketo? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting because there was like a time period of where I was doing both sales ops and marketing ops, um, working in Salesforce and Marketo. And, it was kind of like a fork in the road where I needed to choose either Salesforce or Mercado. Like, am I going to be a, am I going to be on the sales ops side or the marketing ops side? And what really drew me to Mercado, I think, was, um, you know, I think it, it just being able to, um, take all the data that's in Salesforce and kind of like work the people before sales did. So I think that's what was really exciting about the marketing ops side of things, like how how does a company work these people before it actually gets to sales? Um, and then Marketo specifically, like that was the first marketing automation tool that I used, honestly. Um, but I have seen, uh, especially now in my role in consulting, I've done migrations from other tools into Marketo and Marketo to Marketo. Um, so I've gotten a lot more exposure around other tools. But I think um, what what's why I've kind of like given so much time to Mercado and really built my career around it is because it has been the best, I guess, more scalable, the best in the sense that um, you can do the most simple thing to the most complex thing that you can think of within this just one system. Um, So I think that's what like really uh, why I've like, it's been my marketing automation platform of choice for so long. Um, and really the community around it, like they teach you so much for free. Um, you have all these great people, uh, to work with and collaborate with, to build out those very complex, you know, processes that you're trying to get after. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing community. I think, you know, everything from the summits to the user groups, to the, the community online where just advocates are in there answering tough questions, like really complex stuff. Um, how about, you know, when, when you're, you know, I love the idea about your marketing automation, you know, the reason for Marketo, it's like, Hey, we get to touch the prospects or the, the buyers before sales does. We get to be, 
you know, the crafter of the story and the life cycle. And I, I kind of want to understand, and, and the readers or the listeners really love to kind of understand how you and your teams or, or, or what strategies you guys use to really zero in on ideal personal and account profiles. Like what's, you know, what's your strategy for, for segmenting down to the, the, the perfect account and contact? Yeah. Um, I think my personal preference. So I've definitely dealt with a lot of different strategies being on the consulting end now um, and just touching a lot more companies than I ever have before. Um, But I think my personal preference is actually attacking it from the customer view. So taking what works, finding out what works today, right? And who your actual customer is rather than this is the industry and like kind of breaking it down from an industry view. It's more detailed into your actual business when you look at the customers that you have today. So I think kind of like breaking that down into, of course, like demographic information, where are they located, all of that. But that firmographic data that you can get on the actual company is really useful. Um And then just backtracking, I think, from there, like how many data points can you get on that journey from from that customer? What do they do right before sales closed that opportunity? And what do they do at the start? Like getting all that data, um, I think, really guides um, the marketing assistance to the sales process, for sure. Um, Also, any enrichment data, um, any data that you can pull on um, intent or, you know, actions that are coming outside of your website, like that is gold for sure on uh, building out your, your perfect account. Let's talk about intent a little bit. I think it's, you know, it's a topic that some people know a lot about and some people know a little bit about, and I think you can be dangerous in both ways. uh, (laughs) But, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges for me was, when you are setting up your intent, it's you have topics, right? And topics are kind of keywords, but they're more than keywords, they're topics. Right. So like, do you guys have, or when you've used intent in the past, was keyword research your primary focus there? Or or is it like, do you you have to interview sales or or look for critical, you know, uh, business issues or compelling events that would indicate that somebody was in market like what's the formula there yeah no for sure i think um yeah i think there's also like two sides with intent um you can pull intent data from not even using a third party or another resource like you can just scour your own website and your own web analytics to like actually get a little bit of information is it a customer that's interacting with the product that they don't have on their account yet, you know, like mm-hmm. that's some kind of like basic stuff that you can just get over. And, and I think the first strategy, if, if you're intent with intent data is to upsell customers, I think um, that should guide how you're pulling in some information and you absolutely want to get your, your CSMs involved, your customer service managers, you want to get the sales team involved. Um, anyone that closes out those upsell contracts or kind of manages the current contract. Um, But if your intent with intent data is to just enrich the people that haven't made it to sales yet or actually 
um, provide sales with more data on the people that they are currently working. I think um, you just have to go at it a bit different. Um, you're probably are going to look for those keywords, especially if you're doing it in the top of funnel, like before they actually get over to sales. Um, and then it might get more detailed from there. So like, what's the actual topic, uh, things like that, that you might want to actually like get a little bit more detail if it's lower a funnel, um, towards like helping out the sales with their, with their closing. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I talked to Bombora, they said, yeah, some of our customers even use intent to track whether their customers are at risk because yeah. if you're, you know, 90 days out from a renewal and all of a sudden they're looking at five of your competitors right. and you're showing <laughs> no, numerous intent, you know, signals or, or, or what do they call them? Uh, clusters for, you know, your competitors all of a sudden. But I love your uh, topic about first party intent. You know, um, it's kind of al- aligns with the whole, hey, where does somebody sit in the life cycle and mapping wow. that content journey? I think that's an incredibly challenging process, especially if you're coming in new at a brand. Um, do you have, do you have any like worksheets or go-to resources <laughs> for mapping the customer journey to content? That sounds like, like a, like a huge job. <laughs> yeah. It depends how detailed you like. Uh, yeah, but I do. There is, I mean, being at a two rows, I mean, it like, luckily we're super collaborative. There's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of like shared documentation on things. And we literally do have like a spreadsheet that I've used, uh, that, that categorizes your content. Right. So I know that there are free tools out there that will scour your website and like pull all of the pages that you have. Um, and then you just get the content team involved and say, Hey, like, what is this page? What's the topic of this page? Like, what are the keywords attached to this page? Um, you know, and get that data like mapped out. Um, it can get very detailed and takes a long time. So, um, but yeah, I think the more you kind of map out and, and whether that's, um, you know, applying some JavaScript to like populate some fields that you can pull from or, renaming or adding in to your URL structure on your website. So you can like pull down that data um, on intent, like within the, within the same company Um, that can all be done. You just, yeah, have to do the the hard work of categorizing it all and uh, collaborating with all the other teams. Yeah. It's it's a fun process, but once you get done with it, it's like, it's so yeah. dialed, you know, and you can you can target people or groups and speak to them personal in personal ways or assist people at different stages in the funnel. Like you were saying, I think that's when marketing gets really fun is when you start to get organized. We want to kind of switch back to your sales ops background and, you know, being that you've gotten to the position where you are as a Marketo champion today and knowing that, you know, sometimes there can be just lack of communication or just complete walls built between sales and marketing ops, you know, for, uh, being someone in the Marketo world, what would you tell to the sales ops owners out there in terms of how collaboration on data and just overall strategy is key to success? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, working in, in my experience um, in, in marketing ops 
obviously there's a lot of fields that we have to create to like populate that data. And we have to collaborate already on the bottom, the very bottom level pretty much uh, with sales ops to get those fields created, to pass over information, um, even integrations when you're getting a new tool, like you work with them a lot on, on that point of view. And I think um, just in those conversations, reiterating the reason why you're doing something, like why that field exists, why you need that created, what you're going to populate it with, how you're going to use it, I think inspires the sales ops team to like start doing um, similar things or, you know, oh, I can build this workflow off of that being populated or I can pull down the data, you know, from that tool and and do this in Salesforce. And I think um, that then sparks more communication feedback, like, oh, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. And then you're all of a sudden just like working together in a more cohesive um, area. So instead of just like creating a ticket saying, I need this new field, you know, having a conversation explaining why you're creating a new field, what you're using it for, I think um, just makes the communication effortless. Like people want to be part of that conversation and kind of explain what they're doing as well. Um, and, And it just makes for better use of the data that you're actually getting um, because you're leveraging it from both sides, sales ops and marketing ops. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the, the biggest challenges I see is like so much segmentation gets done in Marketo, right? And that data, that segmentation is in most cases not written into the records and synced across mm-hmm. the Salesforce, right? So like one of those challenges I'm, I'm seeing for companies is like, how do they get how do you get segments that are being used in marketing used in sales as well? Like what are you, have you figured out a way to, you know, get those teams synchronized on the segments that they're using in their outreach? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I've come close to this before, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard to, to know how they can find that stuff useful. Um, there are definitely segmentations though that uh, obviously guide a lot of like nurture that happens within Marketo. And I think passing that information over to sales um, allows them then to also uh, target their like outreach emails or whatever tool they use for like their automated emails. Um allows them to target in the same way. Like these people are responding to these types of emails in, in Marketo. I'm sure the same is going to be, you know, for, for you on your side. So I think um, getting that information passed over um, specifically with the segmentations. I mean, there's a lot of segmentations that's very data or ops focused within Marketo, like, uh, your country and your privacy policy segment and things like that. Um, and then there's ones that actually guide, you know, nurtures or what you're showing on the website. And that might be like there are top 50 whale accounts or something, you know, and and these are the 100, you know, broader ABM strategy, like number of accounts that we have. Um, and I think having those segmentations and passing them over, whether that's through alerts or an actual like conversation, like, Hey, you should set up your outreach to be like this because we have our nurture like this. Um, I, I, I definitely think that information could be useful by, by the sales team. 
Yeah, I mean, when I explain, this is my next question I'll get to in a moment, but I, I think a lot of ops pros have a general understanding that data and solving data challenges is like key to success. However, like getting other people to buy into the fact that they need to address data like sales or marketing leadership, you know, they know they need to, but it's not like on the top of their priority. Like, no, we're implementing a new CPQ, right? It's one of those things where getting other people to notice about data, it it can be a little bit challenging. So, um, you know, for you, if you were to, to help, a listener, say, to go approach their head of operations or revenue or CMO with an ask to go solve dirty data challenges like, you know, duplicates or, you know, enrichment, whatever it is. What are the what are the levers do you think that need to be pulled to tie it back to business challenges and and and, and less away from data? Yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. Um I think, uh, I think first, you know, finding what they actually care about. <laughs> so I think if it is, if your company or organization, it's very product structured, like GTM structured. Um, I think being able to prove out, like we have this much of our database that doesn't fall into one of those products. Like, um, we could be leveraging this many like people to actually assign them a product that they should kind of go into and we should nurture them on and things like that. Um, If some CMOs, you know, are very event heavy, like they have their teams kind of structured around, around their, their outreach, you know, priorities. Um, So like, of course now with the pandemic, it's mostly webinars. Um, and and you know videos and things like that and i think um if you're able to show like this is um you know how much of our database like these are the results that we're getting from webinars and if we had more data on this you know sizable audience or something that you have in your database um so we can pinpoint you know and match them up and invite them to webinars and send out videos that go with the other audiences that we have, um, then we can get more traction and actually get them engaging more. Um, I, I find that every company is going to have their initiatives at that moment of time. And I think just aligning what you don't have to that initiative is going to help out. So if that's, you know, your new CPQ, whatever, like your new, whatever that initiative is to actually, um, get to that goal. I think, um, I think that's how you just align it up and then say, you know, I can get this many webinar attendees, uh, for your goal of like increasing webinar engagement, you know, if I had more information on this big database. So, um, I think that's a good way to always do it. Yeah. I think it's solid. You brought up two good points. One is, you know, data is fluid. So you could basically link it to any problem yeah. like CPQ, you're going to have, maybe you need to stru- structure the the thousand products SKUs into 10 because they've been created over, you know, 15 years and they all mean the same thing, right? right. So there, there's definitely things that can be tied to just about any project. And then the other was, wow, if you think about sales and marketing, going back to the segment question, if really all sales and marketing is at the, at, a, at the beginning, before it starts getting skilled, 
is building a list, right? It's like, do you guys have the same segments and are you maximizing the number of participants within right. those segments so that your webinar campaigns can hit everyone in that total addressable market and you can increase your response by 300% or whatever it is. Yeah. So those are, those are great points. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit again, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Adobe comes out with now and Marketo's always, you know, Adobe Marketo, they're always releasing new features, functionalities, and it's kind of hard to keep up with like what, what us, you know, what the, what we should all be paying attention to in the current state. And I'm just wondering if there's like two or three things that, you know, just tips or tricks or, or new release items or, or things that we should be on the lookout for that you just think are just game changers. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot. Um, I think, yeah, within the Marketo world, um, just like three things off the top of my mind that are, uh, that are kind of like relevant right now. Um, obviously the UI has changed and that's just rolling out more and more to more companies. Um, if you have, multiple workspaces you probably haven't seen the new UI UI yet. Um, but there are plugins that you can actually get to kind of enhance the new UI. Because <laughs> it's very Adobe related where um it's very uniform in look and we aren't really as um uh like tied to color as in the current Marketo UI. Um, and there are plugins that you can have just sitting on your web browser that will actually change the color back. Um, nice. A lot of other things. Yeah. So I definitely think that that's something, um, and I'm sure we can share out links after this or something, but um, that's definitely something that I think you can look into to just make your experience a little bit better and not interrupt your workflow because you're trying to differentiate one thing from another with the gray color scheme. Um, yeah, so I think that one's very topical at the moment. Um, there is a new feature that is in beta right now. It's requestable campaign. So basically, it's waiting. So right now in Marketo, you can kind of daisy chain things together. And uh, one campaign can request another. But this will wait until that one campaign actually runs before... So it's finished run, it finishes the run, and then it actually requests the next campaign. So it kind of ensures that what your intention is to like, oh, I only want to assign their privacy compliance segment after I know their country has been, you know, like actually populated. Um, you can actually set that up and have more confidence that it's running the way that you intended it to run. So that's a pretty cool one. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to get to work with Elliot Lowe and he's, yeah, he helps us manage our Marketo. And, you know, I'm just so amazed by the complexity and the layering of the tool. And, you know, if, if, if there's like so much per, you know, you have to be so good at this tool to make it, it really work. So if you were new in Marketo and, you know, a lot of us are or the, the listeners and they want to know where they should focus, uh, how they can create the most value and attach themselves to like the biggest 
projects or the most useful things that are going to get recognized? Um, you know, how, what would you give them the advice to, to kind of attach on to and, and become part of a mission critical operation? Yeah, I think um, life cycle for sure. I think mastering life cycle, uh, it just provides you with the fundamentals to actually prove out what you're doing is working. Um, so mastering that that life cycle, making sure that the definitions with MQL, like sales approve, everyone approves your definitions of these different stages in the funnel. Um, because that's going to provide you with data to actually, uh, prove out like that webinar did this, you know, we got this many people that hit MQL that were attached to that webinar or attached to that nurture. And that really, I think speaks like it gives your leadership something to speak to, you know, like these things are doing well. We want campaigns team to like execute more um, webinars or we want them to execute more blogs, like whatever is actually working. Um, I think having that is awesome. And then adding in, I think a lot of companies kind of stop at the customer level with, with their life cycle. And I think adding in, expanding that to, you know, post-customer life cycle, seeing who's a customer that's also engaging to like enough where sales should be like looking at them and having a conversation about their contract or a new product or something. Um, Taking care of like that funnel all the way through, I think it's the best thing that you can just focus on um, when you're new to Marketo um, because it's just, it's going to give you the foundation to, prove anything you really want to prove. So, Yeah, I love the post-cycle or the post-customer um, kind of automation. And I think it's very neglected if you looked across orgs where, you know, if somebody purchases, they're most likely to purchase again within the next 90 days if they're having an experience. So um, being able to use that, you know, first-party intent and and automate even an alert i mean how yeah, how great yeah. of an idea is that automate an alert to a new customer using your foundational product when they're on your website checking out additional products and mm-hmm. spending a little time there i just think that that you know is such great advice and um you know there's a, another topic though is is this the cdp right we we all know mdm and data lakes and all this as marketo admins and marketing ops pros like what do we need to feel like we need to learn CDP as a possible replacement or is it like completely complementary or like what level of, you know, effort do we need to put in, in, into this, this, this learning curve uh, to make sure we're not left out or, 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 or are they just completely mutual exclusive and just going to make our lives so much better? Yeah, I think it's definitely complementary. I don't think, yeah, you can't, can't really do with the CDP like, what you can do with Marketo at at least that easily without like a bunch of developers. Um, CDP, I'm still learning myself, to be honest. Like I I need to know more about it. Um, But from what I know um, today, it's totally complimentary and it's a great thing because it's housing data from all of your different sources. If you think about it, unless you're like a 100% Salesforce shop, pretty much, like you have a bunch of different tools that you need to 
leverage and collect data from. And I think CDPs play the best kind of like middle management role in between all of your tools. And then it's it's only going to enhance the data that you have available to you today and Marketo or your, you know, your marketing automation platform um, and Salesforce too. I mean, it's only going to enhance the data that are on the records there. Um, so I think, uh, I think for someone in the MOPS role, um, I do think they should pay attention to this, but definitely not feel like they have to become a developer, <laughs> like learn all of the ins and outs about it. But I do think, um, you know, learning a little bit more and I'll take my own advice here uh, about CDPs is just going to benefit um, and open your eyes up to more things that you can do within your Marketo instance. Yeah, you know, one of the things that hits my mind immediately with your explanation is you don't need all those Salesforce fields on your Marketo records if you can have them in your CDP or your analytic layer where like I can remember times where I've sunk five new Marketo lead fields on accident or not on accident. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm going to link these new Salesforce fields into Marketo and all of a sudden 500,000 leads try to get an update and hit a backlog of like a week. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> it's not a good, yeah. I've hit the backlog before too. <laughs> yeah, backlogs are bad. <laughs> anyway, um, no, no, no. We really appreciate all this amazing insight. I think one more thing, you know, just if you could articulate in your own words, the value of quality versus average or below average data, how would you articulate that? I would probably try to find a number for it. <laughs> These are way more likely to get revenue than the other ones. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you're trying, and that's what marketing does, that's what leadership does, they're, they're just, they're trying to prove that what they're doing is correct. And they want to know if what they're doing is not correct. And I think if you have data at your hands, that that is actually correct data, um, what you're implementing is more likely to work. Um, and then you're more likely to actually say, this is why this works. Um, because you have uh, good, clean data and accurate data in your system. Um, your efforts, if you're trying to try something new or A-B test something or come up with a new strategy, it's more likely you're, you're going to get results faster to know if that was a good choice or something you need to stop um, a lot faster if you have clean data. It's just going to make the world of difference to uh, to to your team when it comes to planning what to do next and uh, implementing new initiatives. Well, that's that's amazing insight. And I'm wondering, does does your company offer any data cleanup like professional services or anything to help companies with, you know, just tackling that strategic challenge? No, yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of um, programs we do in the consulting world. Um, a lot of a lot of areas where we um, give you the tools and like process. Um, so you can actually make sure your data is clean as possible, whether that's like a, a cleanup program or a lifecycle program where we work with you and develop that out. So then, you know, you have 
like the best data at hand. Um, there's also flow boost, which, um, I believe is kind of capable of some of that. Um, and that's just like a tool outside of the consulting that Atumos offers. Um, but it definitely does things like calculate, you know, a couple fields because Marketo can't calculate. Um, but I believe you can also kind of like search and then try to match up. So then you can get a little bit more data uh, cleanliness in your system. Very cool. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, yeah. I'm sure the 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 listeners enjoy it, and um, and we enjoyed having you as well. And uh, um, hopefully, you'll come on to the show again yeah. in the near future. I hope so. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, we had a blast. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye.